Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. As you have a seat and as our kids head back uh, to Kids Church with Miss Kathy, I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 this morning. And uh, we're, we're going to cover uh, really the, the whole of the two chapters. We're going to read specifically, uh, focus in this morning on uh, Genesis 2 starting in, in chapter 15. Um, as, as we begin this Advent season, uh, we're going to start, well, at the beginning. Figure, that figured that was a good place to begin. Um, as we consider the, the gravity of, of Christ sending his son to earth, in order to, to fully grasp what all that meant, what all that meant for God's people, you have to go back to the, to the beginning to see the way that God uh, set up his creation in order to, uh, to, to work, the way God designed it. And then next week, we'll look at what went wrong. Then the following weeks, we'll look at how God set out to begin restoring his creation and his people. Um, In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we're going to see God's original design for creation before everything went haywire. We're going to see how people were supposed to function uh, before sin entered. We're going to see that there was no separation from God. There was no strife uh, between one another. We had perfect fellowship with God and and mankind and perfect harmony with creation. Um, And and as I begin, as we begin this Advent series, I wanted to to start by reading a passage from um, a a resource that's become a really good help to me. Um, And and that is, it's a book called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Now, we've read this introduction, I think, the last couple of Christmas Eve services. We'll we'll read it at our candlelight service again this year. It's just, it's a really simple reminder. In fact, I think this is my favorite introduction to any Bible that, that I've seen. Um, Jesus' storybook Bible is written by Sally Lloyd-Jones, and it frames um, the, the story of the Bible in, in a way that's, that's on a kid's level, and yet there, there's a great theological truth that she makes there, and that is simply that every story in the Bible whispers Jesus' name. He's, he's the centerpiece. And this is how she starts. So I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to invite, uh, after I read this, I'm going to invite Anthony and Becca Morrill to come, and uh, they're going to light our first Advent candle this morning as we get into our passage a little bit. But this is her introduction to the Jesus Storybook Bible. It says, Now some people think the Bible is a book of rules, telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules in it. They show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. Other people think the Bible's a book of heroes, showing you people you should copy. The Bible does have some heroes in it, but as you'll soon find out, most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistakes, sometimes on purpose. They get afraid and run away. At times, they're downright mean. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the ones he loves. 
It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there's a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He is like the missing piece in the puzzle, the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together. And suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. And this is no ordinary baby. This is the child upon whom everything would depend. This is the child who would one day, but wait. Our story starts where all good stories start. Right at the very beginning. And so what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to read her account of Genesis 1 and 2. And then we're, we're gonna, we are going to actually be in the real Bible. Okay, so, so don't, don't feel like you can just put it away. Because we're going to focus on Genesis, 15, Genesis 2, 15 through 25. And, and I'll read that out of the CSB. But, but I wanted to read out of the Jesus Storybook Bible. Because she frames the creation story in, in a way that's so understandable. And so as I read this, I'm going to ask Anthony and Becca if they'll come and, and light our first candle. Which is the hope candle. And so this morning, as we talk about hope, I want us to see the way that God designed things to operate in the beginning. This is how Sally Lloyd-Jones recaps the creation story. In the beginning, there was nothing. Nothing to hear, nothing to feel, nothing to see. Only emptiness and darkness and nothing but nothing. But God was there, and God had a wonderful plan. I'll take this emptiness, God said, and I'll fill it up. Out of the darkness, I'm going to make light, and out of the nothing, I'm going to make everything. Like a mommy bird flutters her wings over her eggs to help her babies hatch, God hovered over the deep, silent darkness. He was making life happen. God spoke. That's all. And whatever he said, it happened. God said, hello, light, and light shone into the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. You're good, God said. And they were. Then God said, hello, sea, hello, sky, and a great space opened up wide and deep and high. You're good, God said. And they were. Then God said, hello land, and there, splashing up through the oceans, came cliffs, mountains, sandy beaches. You're good, God said, and they were. And everything everywhere burst into life. He made buds bud, shoots shoot, flowers flower. You're good, God said, and they were. Hello stars, God said, hello sun, hello moon. And whizzing into the darkness came fiery globes spinning around and around, whirling orange and purple and golden planets. You're good, God said. And they were. Hello, birds, God said. And with a fluttering and flapping and chirping and singing, birds filled the skies. Hello, fish, God said. And with a darting, dashling and wiggling and splashing, fish filled the seas. You're good, God said. And they were. Then God said, hello, animals, and everyone came out to play. The earth was filled with noisy noises, growling and gobbling and snapping and snorting and happy skerfuffling. You're good, God said, and they were. 
God saw all that he had made and he loved them. But God saved the best for last. From the beginning, God had a shining dream in his heart. He would make people to share his forever happiness. They would be his children and the world would be their perfect home. So God breathed life into Adam and Eve. When they opened their eyes, the first thing they ever saw was God's face. And when God saw them, he was like a new dad. You look like me, he said. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever made. God loved them with all of his heart. And they were lovely because he loved them. And Adam and Eve joined in the song of the stars and streams and the wind and the trees. The wonderful song of love to the one who made them. Their hearts were filled with happiness. And nothing ever made them sad or lonely or sick or afraid. God looked at everything he had made. Perfect, he said, and it was. But all the stars and the mountains and oceans and galaxies were nothing compared to how much God loved his children. He would move heaven and earth to be near them. Always. Whatever happened. Whatever it cost him, he would always love them. And so it was that the wonderful love story began. Now, this is from a kid's Bible. And yet in it, we see God's original design. We see how God made everything. And he declared it good. And it was. And God made everything perfect. Now, specifically what I want to focus on this morning is on the perfection and the harmony that existed within relationships. And so if you will take your Bible, and if you'll go with me to Genesis chapter 2, we're going to read verses 15 through 25. Let's read, let's stand as we read the word the Lord's given to us this morning. Where the Lord says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone. And flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked, and yet felt no shame. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for this wonderful story of creation. 
As we begin this Christmas season, celebrating this season of Advent, will you restore in us the hope that just as things were at the beginning of time, they will one day be restored there. So give us a vision for how the promise of Christmas is not just peace on earth, but peace with you, peace in our relationships, a restoration to perfection. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Now, now when we say that things were perfect, that's difficult for us to imagine because we've never experienced a perfect anything in life. See, and even on our best days, we still have sin that creeps in and reminds us that, that there's a separation between us and God. And listen, even if you're a believer in Christ and you've been restored your relationship with God has been made right and, and you're assured of your eternal security in Christ, we still experience the effects of sin. Both of our own, that they create a broken fellowship with, with God and with one another, and the sins of others that in some cases have, have damaged families and friendships. And so it may be hard for us to wrap our minds around a world where none of that existed. And yet that's exactly what the Bible tells us the beginning was like. And not, not to get ahead of myself, but, but it's also what the Bible tells us things will be like when everything's finally restored and put right. And so what does all this have to do with Christmas? Well, you see, we talk a lot about this time of year about Jesus' birth, and we celebrate his birth. We obviously celebrate the, the giving of gifts. And we'll say things like peace on earth, and, and we'll sing things like glad tidings to men. But without a proper framework of what peace on earth actually looks like, the, the Christmas season is going to lose something. For us. Imagine a world where nothing goes wrong, where that toy you just bought your kids doesn't break in 10 minutes, where you don't spend three hours the night before preparing uh, toys for your kid. I mean, <laughs> where, where, where you, and your, you and your wife don't fight decorating the Christmas tree. That's the world that we're given here. See, the first thing that we see is that in the beginning, man lived in perfect harmony with the Creator. There was no sin separating us. This is the way that the Bible describes it. It says, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Uh, I will make your helper corresponding to him. We see, we see that, that God and Adam in the beginning had this perfect relationship. They would spend time together in the garden. There was no 
sin. There was no fear. Adam wasn't afraid to confess something to, to God that he had done because that, that part hadn't entered into it yet. He and he, Adam and God had perfect relationship. Now we know that that doesn't last, and, and we'll get into that next week, into, into what went wrong. But, but here, we see a picture of what we get to experience in salvation. When, when we're restored to Christ Jesus, we see a promise of how things will be one day where there will be no separation between us and God. And so let me, let me just start off this morning by saying, listen, if you're, if you're here and you are not a follower of Christ, you would say, I've, I've never uh, trusted in Christ. I've never asked him to forgive my sins, to be my savior can I just tell you, this is what you're missing out on. Not, not a God who judges and who condemns, but a God who restores. A God who heals what's broken. As I've gotten involved in some work through uh, the North American Mission Board working with churches, um, churches that are uh, many of them in similar boats to ours with uh, some debt, with, with some poor leadership de- decisions that have been made through the year, um, strife that, that's come in in the past. Can, can I tell you what we're seeing around North America? That is that God loves healing broken things. God loves restoring what's broken. I, I read a book uh, on the way to... Uh, South Padre Island for, for Thanksgiving. We had like 12 hours in a van, so there was a lot of time to read. And, and um, five, four kids, um, age 12 and under. So um, earbuds went in and, and books came out. And um, I read a book called Church Planting is for Wimps. Um, and <laughs> the, no, no, I have a lot of church planting friends, okay? I'm not hating on them. But, but one of the things that, that, that this gentleman by the name of Mike McKinley argued, he said, because the question's always asked anytime someone's uh, talking about going into a church that's in need of being revitalized, in need of being restored, the question always comes up, wouldn't it just be easier to go plant a new church? And the answer to that is yes. Yes. So then why do we spend resources and time and energy revitalizing churches? It's because our God loves restoring broken things. And seeing things that were once dead or on the verge of death coming back to life. It's what he does. And so listen, if you're here this morning and and I don't know every one of your stories, I don't know exactly what you've experienced in in your life, but it may be that you're coming in here this morning broken, saying there's no way that a God could love me. There's no way a God could restore me. And let me tell you, you've not experienced the love and grace of my God, because that's what he does. He restores things that are broken, and, and in that there's a promise that one day sin won't exist anymore, and our relationship with him will be perfect. But it doesn't stop there. Now, that would be great, right? I mean, even, even if that's the end of the story, that's good, that, that our relationship with God will, will be restored, but it doesn't stop there. It gets even better because the, the Bible continues in verse 18, says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper 
corresponding to him. Now stop and think about this for just a second. Everything else we've seen here, God looked at it and said, it's good. It's good. This is the one time before the fall in Genesis 3 where God says something is not good. He says it's not good that man should be alone. Verse 19, we're told the Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. Whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to, the, to every wild animal. So, we, so, so this is God's initial uh, plan for this, right? It's not good for the man to be alone. Um, I, I'm going I'm to give him something to take care of. And so what we see here is that uh, man, before the fall, man lived in perfect fellowship with creation. Now, my dad was a cotton farmer, so let me tell you, this perfect fellowship with creation no longer exists. If any of you grew up around cotton, you, you might know this, that there are things that are literally called devil claws. Anybody here have any experience with devil claws? They, I mean, they, they look like something out of the pit of hell. I mean, they're, 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 they're big and nasty, and, and they'll hook on your shirt, and they will scratch your brother's face. Um, <laughs> so I've been told. <laughs> The, I, growing up with a dad who's a farmer, I literally saw what, what, we'll, see, what we'll talk about next week where um, God says the, the ground will fight against you. But before the fall, that didn't, that didn't happen. There was no violence between man and creation. There was no such thing as, as hurricanes and tornadoes, earthquakes, no raging forest fires that would destroy property, and lives. We also see in here, by the way, God's design for work. Now, now let me take this a little bit of a side. You know, I, I feel like sometimes we have this idea that work was a result of the fall, that, that Adam like just sat around kind of twiddling his thumbs and singing kumbaya and around like a campfire that God made himself, right? So like, I mean, it was the, the, you know, Adam just kind of got to kick back and, and, uh, and eat fruit and, and life, was, life was merry. That's not the picture we're given here. We're, 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 we see here that in the beginning, God gave Adam responsibilities. God provided work for Adam before the fall. Now, when the fall came, work got immensely harder. As I said, God promises that the ground's going to fight against you. But God didn't say, how dare you turn away from me? Now your life of leisure is gone, sucker. It's time to go to work. That, that's, not the way it, that's not the way it happened. So from the beginning, work has been a part of God's design. Work is a blessing. Yeah, you might be sitting there thinking, well, you don't know about my job. Um, so we'll get there next week about why it's, it's so much more difficult. But, but work is a blessing. This is why I think for, for the people of God especially, laziness can be very dangerous. Because as, as the great theologian John Calvin said, the, the, the human heart is a factory of idols. So you will find something to worship. 
you will find something to do if you're bored. And, and when we're bored, we usually don't find productive things to do. Oftentimes, the, the things that we do when we're bored end up being destructive to us and, and to our health, to our families. And so it is good for us to be involved in work. Now, I hope that you're not just like stuck in a dead-end job and you know, that your boss is a, is a pain in the neck. I hope that's not your life. If so, I would encourage you, don't, don't just quit work altogether, but find a job that, that better suits you and your personality and your gifting. But, but understand, work is a gift. It's part of, of, of our harmony with creation. Since we're talking about work, let's get on to the last part too. Man lived in perfect relationship with each other. This is what we're told starting in verse 20. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of, the ribs, one of his ribs and closed the flesh at the place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. They were in perfect relationship with one another. There was no strife. There was no Adam saying something, and Eve getting mad, and him going, what did I say? And she said, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. There was no Eve getting mad and Adam telling her, look, just calm down, okay? There was, there was none of that. By the way, husbands, that doesn't work. <laughs> that will have the opposite effect if you, if you tell your wife, and I'm learning my daughter, too, to, to calm down. <laughs> there was none of that. They were in perfect relationship with each other. Listen, as I said, it would have been enough, I think, had God said, you know what, um, through salvation I'm going to heal your relationship with me and, and, and all will be well in the end. You won't be alienated from God. You won't be under condemnation anymore. You're, you'll be restored. Would that not have been enough? And yet God in his grace and in his mercy has said, no, I'm going to go farther than that. I'm going to restore your relationship with creation. And I'm going to restore your relationship with people. So that the promise for us is that when Christ Jesus comes back the second time, everything will be restored. This is the promise of Christmas. Christmas promises the perfection of creation will be restored. No more pain, no more suffering. No more of the, the land fighting against us. No, no more natural disasters. No more marital strife. No more family drama. No more terrible bosses. All, all of this will be healed. This is the promise. And we will live forever in the glory 
of Almighty God. Come, let us adore him this Christmas. The one whom God sent to restore us. But we were far away, as Ephesians 2.13 says. But now in Christ Jesus, you once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. If you're here this morning, you'd say, man, I'm, I'm far off from God. I'd love to pray with you in just a moment and tell you how you can be brought near. I'll be down front. Uh, Chuck Moon will be down front. We would love to pray with you and tell you how you can experience that restoration, that salvation today. In the meantime, you know, I'm, I'm calling this series The Good News of Christmas. Have you noticed there's enough bad news in our world right now? If not, man, get a Facebook account and just like scroll through and you'll see, man, like folks' lives are messed up. Like, there's some bad news. Man, our world is desperate for good news. And I think, especially this time of year, as we walk through stores, and, and even now in 2018, you can still hear uh, words like, God rest ye merry gentlemen, and joy to the world. Could, could it be that we're desperate for some good news? And folks, listen, as, as believers, we have the best news that the world has ever seen. So don't keep it to yourself. Go tell it on, well, in the valley, I guess. <laughs> Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the good news of Christmas. We thank you for this picture of, of how our world was designed to operate in Genesis 1 and 2. The way that, that you designed everything to, to be in perfect fellowship and in perfect communion with you and with each other. And I pray that as we grow in our relationship with you, we would see glimpses of that here and now. We know we're not going to experience that perfectly because all of us still have sin that we're wrestling with in our lives. But can we catch glimpses of that? I pray even this morning that relationships would be restored. Relationships with, with, between folks and you, people are still far off and that today would be the day they would turn from sin and trust in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. I pray that relationships between one another would be restored. That we might experience glimpses of heaven right here on earth. And help us to share this good news with those around us. Thank you so much for who you are and for what you've done for us in sending Christ Jesus. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575 437 5510. 
Thank you for listening, and may God bless you this week.